Hello and welcome back to episode 21 of the Game Biz Podcast. I am your host, Poe. So, the first news item of the week. Last week, Herman Hulse, head of PlayStation Studios, had a Q&A session on a PlayStation podcast, and he shares some insight on what we can expect in the future from PlayStation Studios. Some of it was reaffirming PlayStation stances, such as single-player games are essential, partnerships with external studios are part of the strategy, examples are Haven Studios and Firewalk Studios. Also reiterating what was mentioned in that recent Wired article about PlayStation having 25 games in the works, uh, with nearly new of them, uh, nearly half of them being new IP and the importance of having new IP. He confirms that Ben's studio behind uh, developing Days Gone uh, is now onto a new IP. This was previously reported on Bloomberg by Jason Schreier. And this can keep going on, but with all that said, there are some newer news and thoughts being discussed by Herman here that I think it's been worth uh, discussing. So first, the next God of War is being pushed to 2022 from its 2021 teaser release eight months ago. The reason is simple. Cory Balog, the creative director, mentioned on Twitter that he honestly thought the game was going to be shippable in 2021, and he was wrong. The end. So guys, stop harassing the development people. Just stop it. It doesn't help anyone. And of course, that being said, this isn't the only time it happens. It happens way too often. And for even dumber reasons, um, you know, it, it, it'll come out when it does and it'll be great, I'm sure. Just stop it, guys. Okay, now that that is done, Herman mentions that reasons why these games are being delayed is how they are affected by access to performance capture and recordings you know, because of COVID. So God of War delayed and the next horizon is still far, still so far on track for holiday season. But again, this is an ongoing situation and I can see that it be delayed easily. Another thing that got the internet riled up was learning that games like the next God of War and Gran Turismo 7 is also cross-platform on both PS4 and PS5, just like Horizon Forbidden West. And I kind of get those feelings uh, the same as those online because saying that it doesn't affect PlayStation 5's performance is not really true. PS5 version can still be amazing, but resources are scarce. So if developers need to distribute resources onto the PS4 version, well, that meant uh, that means the PS5 version could have been even better then. For example, Miles Morales was cross-platform and performed well on PS4, but way better on PS5. But you may also notice that features such as the DualSense functionality was less pronounced than, for example, a dedicated uh, PlayStation 5 game like uh, Returnal. So I could point out that this could be a likely outcome for both Horizon 2 and the next God of War. Again, doesn't mean that the game couldn't be 10 out of 10 masterpieces, but just that it could have been better and I'm a bit disappointed by that notion. By the way, I'm not too worried about the PlayStation 4's performance, um, and I don't think this would be like a Cyberpunk 2077 situation because the PlayStation Studio teams have already proven their capabilities of making uh, games like Miles Morales, Sackboy Adventure cross-platform on launch, and later make games uh, run cross-platform like Days Gone, Ghost of Tsushima, and God of War. At the same time this news was released, Game Informer released more details on Horizon 2 and how PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 versions will differ. 
For example, on the PS5 version, there will be improved water and environmental details, and it'll also be able to make use of cinematic grade lighting system in game, which the PS4 can only use in for cutscenes. The PS5 version will have 60 FPS performance mode, full 3D audio, and DualSense support as well. But here's the other side of the argument that I think people should think about also. Getting a PS5 is also really difficult right now, and uh, PlayStation knows that, so if they can work on getting PS4 versions of the game out for those who can't get their hands on PS5 consoles yet, then they can at least, you know, buy and play on PS4. Then later down the line, when they get their PS5s, they can just upgrade to the PS5 versions. That way, PlayStation won't lose customer interest in these games if it was only released for the PS5, and perhaps increase these games' uh, lifetime engagement. For the time being, I think it's still safe to assume, given the scarcity of PS5s, the majority audience is still on PS4s. And given that COVID's still a thing, games will still be worked on with cross-platform in mind. Let's say optimistically 2023, and then conservatively somewhere around 2025 maybe. Reality is that despite being cross-platforms, many gamers will still want the best versions of these games, which is the you know the PS5 versions, making that the version, uh, making that version more popular. Uh, that's been true so far with Miles and even third-party games like Resident Evil 8. Moving on from this topic, but not away from the PlayStation news as just yet. This is reported from VGC. Concrete Genie Studio Pixel Opus is making a new PS5 game with Sony Pictures Animation. This position says that they are, quote, seeking a senior engineer programmer with a generalist skill set to architecture, implement, and modify runtime and tools features of Pixel Opus's engine technology and Unreal 5. And this position will contribute to our development process as we tackle exciting innovation and creative opportunities through a collaboration with Sony Pictures Animation, end quote. Sony Pictures Animation's latest releases include Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Angry Birds Movie 2, and The Mitchells vs. The Machines. It's currently working on projects including Hotel Transylvania, Transylvania, and a sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this post up is because a while ago, I was reading on uh, Sony trademarking Sunset Overdrive, and there was a 4chan rumor post on upcoming PlayStation titles that had Sunset Overdrive remastered for PlayStation consoles and a next-gen Sunset sequel in the works. Another game that was on there that I didn't mention because it had nothing to do with Sunset was that a Mitchell's vs. the Machines game was in the works as well. The post titled the game as the Mitchell's vs. the Machines Overcharged releasing for PS4 and PS5 November 25th, but the studio listed was WayForward and not Pixelopus. Once again, this is all very wild speculation, and especially so since it came from 4chan post, but Pixelopus, who have the track record of games like Concrete Genie, I think they can pull off an animation-style video game like Mitchell's. And if you watch the movie, you would know that the animation style is like a... 2D comic plus a bit of 3D in places. I just think it matches well with Pixelopus, if it is indeed true. And okay, that is the end of the news items for this week. It is short, but that is because the topic of the week is going to be a pretty long one.
this week's topic, I thought it would be interesting to do a chill story time session. And while I was thinking about what stories would be interesting to do, I was reminded again recently about Starbreeze, since they had their earnings not too long ago. And if you didn't know about Starbreeze, well, they are well known for their Payday franchise and also how they had filed for bankruptcy um, just two years ago. So this seems like a pretty good story to be doing. Before I get into it, the biggest contributors to the story would be uh, this article from Eurogamer called The Fall of Starbreeze and a bunch of GamesIndustry.biz articles. Again, all the links will be in the show notes for you guys. For the sake of the time management, this is going to be more like a summary version of the entire story. If I were to like talk through the you know entire happenings, then I estimate this can easily go over an hour. Uh, also, I'm going to be dividing this into chapters, so it's easier for me to sort the sections out, uh, you know, and it feels more like reading a storybook. So let's begin. Chapter 1, Getting to Know Starbreeze The original Starbreeze was created in Sweden in 1998, but we aren't going to go into this original Starbreeze because it went through a butt-ton of things that, you know, aren't really relevant to the main story. So we shall go ahead and time jump to this, quote, new Starbreeze that really kicked, started this new spiral of mess that they got themselves into. And that happened to be around 2012 with their acquisition of Overkill software. Overkill was founded by brothers Bo and Ulf. Their previous studio, Grin, went under when their game deal with Square Enix to make a Final Fantasy spin-off game fell through. At Overkill, they had made the first Payday game, and that came out in 2011 on Steam. But soon, they were found in another financial difficulty situation. So around 2012, Starbreeze had two games teams. One was managing Syndicate for the publisher EA, and the other was led by Joseph Ferris, who was contracted to bring Starbreeze's first owned IP, Brothers A Tale of Two Sons, to the market. The problem started when even before Syndicate's launch in February 2012, many key staff left the team to form Machine Games, makers of the present Wolfenstein games you now know and is now under Xbox Game Studios. This left Syndicate team out of the picture and only the Brothers team remained. And here is where Overkill stepped in and thought of a way to save both studios. The plan was to have a merger and that would allow enough money for Overkill to fund its second payday game, which it did not have at that moment. What happened next was Starbreeze issues uh, rights, offerings, or warrants to its investors and purchase Overkill with its own shares. Quoting from Eurogamer, quote, According to people familiar with the deal, Starbreeze was in such a terrible financial position that these shares were essentially worthless. And so the owners of Overkill were paid with so many worthless shares that they became the majority owners of Starbreeze by default. In 2012, just a couple of months after the launch of Syndicate, Starbreeze announced it had acquired Overkill, but this announcement was misleading. The reality was Overkill took over Starbreeze. In practice, Starbreeze was given away, one source says. On the other hand, both Starbreeze and Overkill would probably not have survived without this merger and Payday 2 would 
have never been made, end quote. So now, Starbreeze was essentially overkill. Had two IAPs with Brothers and Payday, Brothers eventually came out in 2013 with high praises and sold quite well. But Ferris left soon after the contract was done, and the Brothers team dissolved with it. The takeover of Overkill was complete, and the new Starbreeze was formed. Chapter 2 The Price of Hubris With the takeover now complete, Starbreeze was now able to pay to make Payday 2, and it was launched in August 2013. And it was a huge hit. They sold a lot of copies of the game and its DLC. Popularity increased for Payday 2 meant the same for Starbreeze and its stock prices. However, according to multiple sources, Bo and Ulf had a bit of falling out. Ulf was burnt out from making Payday 2. He left the company with Bo buying out his brother's share of the company they had co-owned. And according to those who are close to the pair, the brothers do not speak to this day. According, unlike Ulf, who was the creative chief of Payday, Bo handled the business side of the company and he wanted to create another Payday 2 success. So in August of 2014, Starbreeze signed a deal with Skybound Entertainment to make Overkill's The Walking Dead, with a release in 2016. Bo's grand plan was to have this game become a step above Payday 2. It would be a, quote, forever universe, like a Destiny game. And while this plan was brewing in the background, Bo gradually shifts Starbreeze into a boutique publisher. It had published Day by Daylight, which released in 2016, still doing very well to this day, and they had signed publishing deals for Psychonauts 2 and System Shock 3, just for example. These two games never got made and released, by the way. In addition, they also had invested $8 million in publishing Raid World War II, which is a competitor to their own Payday 2 game. This head-scratching investment was spread internally, where some would ask, why didn't they just work on more DLC for Payday 2? The deal for Raid was supposed to see it recoup 120% of its investment plus a 50-50 royalty split. In my mind, it's a safe bet to lose money. And guess what? In three months of its September 2017 launch, the game had an average of just 40 concurrent players. A total flop. In t May 2015, Starbreeze announced it had bought the Valhalla game engine with shares worth around £6 million. Plan was for Valhalla to power all of Starbreeze's games, but the engine itself was near unusable according to those who had used it, marking this another failed investment that will eventually come to haunt them back. Believe it or not, Bo continued the spending spree. In June 2015, Starbreeze brought a virtual reality company for $2 million, $10 million for a virtual reality theme park in Dubai, 7.5 million euros to build VR movie experiences with a company called Nozen. From all this investment, they had made a John Wick VR game called John Wick Chronicles. Polygon, a games review site, wrote an article stating how they had the intention of reviewing this game but couldn't due to how janky the game was and that they weren't able to play long enough of the game to write the review. Suffice to say, the game tanked. 
all while Bo was flying off signing deals left and right. The Walking Dead team was being haunted by the Valhalla game engine deal that I mentioned a minute ago. Staff working on the game said Valhalla lacked a solid core from which developers could build tools or create content. Quote, it was taking too long to develop to a decent level of usability, one person said. Valhalla felt to me like it was barely 50 or 60% of the way in terms of usability and stability. It was just not good. Like most engines, it had good potential, but it wasn't in a good place for people to properly develop a game. That was the problem. It was just way too far behind in the pipeline. End quote. Eventually, the game got delayed out of its 2016 window to 2017. But the problem continued. The management team, being at the end of their straw, decided that they had to switch game engines and went with Epic's Unreal Engine. At the same time, they also announced for another delay, this time to the second half of 2018. So far, this part uh, was public information, but internally, it meant the devs were to chuck away two years of their work in the bin. They were shocked and frustrated by the management team's decision since they had warned them of this problem since the very beginning. The amount of money wasted from the time spent, the developers hired, the salaries given, and the stress that built up. Just on this engine alone must have been a crazy amount. Aside from this, more mismanagement from the management team happened on all other projects that Starbreeze was working on. Then, unreasonable demands, sudden shifts in direction, lack of experience leading AAA game projects, all these issues led to making a game worse than it already was. But the worst of all these mistakes was that everyone working on this game was in denial of the problems they were facing. They couldn't take criticism from their game and it had problems that it wasn't fun. And so, after months of horrible crunch, the game launched on Steam on 6th of November 2018. As you can imagine, the game flopped hard. Everything about the game was perceived as bad and poor. That's just because it was, said one developer. It was a miracle they had made something that was able to be installed on PC. And they had essentially made a beta game because it was made in a year and a half. Not only did the game not perform well, they lost a lot of money on this investment and that dragged the company's stock prices down the drain. Prices kept on tumbling and just like that soon after, on December 3rd, Bo was fired by the company's board of directors. Marking this the definitive end of Overkill's Starbreeze. Same day that happened, the company applied for reconstruction, which is a rescue procedure for Swedish companies facing insolvency slash bankruptcy. Chapter 3. The Repair and Rebirth Starbreeze is now in a heap of debt from its previous irresponsible spending and lacking the ability to raise capital through issuing shares since share prices is still free-falling. It turned towards the last option, and that is to auction off its property and rights that still hold value. This forced the selling on numerous publishing licenses, subsidiaries, cancelled console ports, laid off a quarter of its staff, and restart DLC production on Payday 2. For example, they sold the publishing rights of Dead by Daylight back to Behavior Interactive. System Shock 3 returned to Otherside Entertainment, where it would eventually find refuge with Tencent funding. Psychonaut 2 rights were sold to Microsoft and eventually Double Fine would be purchased outright by them. 
Twelve months later, December of 2019, Starbreeze would announce that their reconstruction progress had been completed and that they had gained back creditors' confidence to pay off the majority of their debt over the next five years. Amid the year of the pandemic, December 2020, the company would announce that they had paid back most of their debt. While focusing solely on pumping out Payday 2 content, the company would continue to seek funding for Payday 3 throughout 2020. In February of 2021, the strong performance of Payday 2, along with the pandemic bump in gaming, helped ease their losses from 54.7 million in 2019. To 15.8 million in 2020. The next month, they would announce that they have signed a 50 million euro co-publishing deal with Coke Media for Payday 3, which is due to launch in 2023. According to Starbreeze, this deal will cover both development and internal international marketing for the project, including at least 18 months of post-launch content and marketing support. The publish the partnership with Coke means that Payday Three is now fully financed and expected to launch on PC and consoles in 2023. And in May of 2021, Starbreeze would come out reporting that they have shrunk 95% of their losses down to $505,000. The current acting CEO Tobias has announced that they are indeed a going concern now, meaning that they have cash flow to not worry about the business. Stopping and not being able to run. The strategy hasn't changed much, mainly focusing on Payday Two, with the game running on a cycle of four DLC expansions per year. They have been seeing steady growth in players even before COVID. The hard truth is that the studio hasn't had a hit game since 2013's Payday Two, but now they have a new goal with building Payday Three up to be a worthy successor. Payday Three will be built with longevity in mind, just like Payday Two and its services-driven expansions. Now, the company now seems to have come to realize that proper fiscal spending and management on products, along with a hit game like Payday Two, means that they don't necessarily need to release games every two to three years like before. So let's hope that they don't lose focus on this, on what really matters to their continued success so far. And with that said, I'll end it here today. Thank you all for listening. And if you wish to follow me, you can find me at GameBizPod on Twitter. Tune in next week for another, and I will see you later. Thank you again, and good night. Bye.